All right, we're going to try and get some podcast music for the next one. We couldn't go with the hot stove intro because this is clearly not hot stove season, but we do have baseball talk for you. Shannon Dreyer, and I hope this uh, podcast finds everybody who's listening right now uh, safe at home and healthy. And I want to give a huge thank you to everybody out there that uh, is not staying home and staying healthy. Instead, is uh, working to keep everybody else safe and healthy. Everybody in the hospitals, the doctors, the nurses, the attendants, those that clean the hospitals, the paramedics, uh, your firemen, your firewomen, law enforcement, and of course those uh, working the grocery stores right now and supply chain, restaurants, delivery, everybody out there uh, in this together right now. And one way or another, we are going to find a way through it. It is going to be without baseball for a while, but... Uh, as I guess fortune would have it, we know how to maneuver through that. I think baseball is the sport that uh, has its own second season. When it's not on the field, we know how to talk about the game. There's a lot to be discussed. Uh, there's a lot of history to go over. Uh, we can't talk about moves. There are no moves right now, and except for a little internal kind of kind of uh, housekeeping type things. Teams are not allowed to make trades right now. They're not allowed to sign players. So that's off the table for now. But um, there's a lot to be learned. Uh, we've seen so much in the game in the last few years. We're going to take these podcasts as an opportunity to connect with different people in baseball and talk about some of those things. We're also going to connect with players and talk about these things, get stories that perhaps really didn't have time to get into in the past. We've got nothing but time right now. So a lot to get into, and we'll be doing these at least once a week to bring you a good hour plus of baseball talk and uh, kind of going in different directions. This week, we've got a bunch of different things for you. Um, some of the things you've probably seen already online, the, the Mitch Hanniger interview that I did last week will uh, is uh, at the end of this podcast. And uh, before I introduce that podcast, I will let you know why I wanted to talk to Mitch. There's a little bit of a story there. We're also going to hear from Melanie Legrand. Uh, she is the vice president of MLB in social responsibility and uh, has a program out that I think can help a lot of parents right now and is something that I was just thrilled I didn't know existed. It was something that I've thought for a long time should exist, uh, but that will be coming up as well. We'll hear from Matt McGill, who's got some interesting stories to tell, especially the tale of how he got to the big leagues. It is a very unlikely story, and uh, there's a lot of perseverance, and there is also a lot of... Um, determination. He was a 31st round pick. That doesn't just happen. So I want to get into that story. There's some interesting things that he did to get noticed. But first up, a good friend, Gary Hill. He is uh, back in Seattle. He was stayed down in Arizona a little bit longer than I did. Producer, engineer, and broadcaster, of course, on the radio side for us. Uh, he's also uh, responsible for the broadcast that we have on right now, the classic broadcast that you're hearing on 710 ESPN every night. He's curated that collection. So we're going to get into that and much more, but here's our conversation with Gary Hill. Okay, Gary, so good to see you. Um, I'll even reluctantly say it's good to see the off-season beard or now the spring training beard, now the quarantine beard, I guess. It adapts. Yeah, it's, it's, adapt it's very adaptable. Hopefully, it'll be a regular season beard at some point. I guess we'll see. I am looking forward to the regular season beard. And we were just talking. You are also, I'm sorry for all this abuse. It's been a while. You're responsible for the hair, haircut, too. Yeah. I, uh, you know, because going to spring training, we're there for a while, right? And 
you have to have a hair game plan. And mine is you cut it short before you go. You let it grow. You're in need of a haircut when you get back. And unfortunately, I couldn't go anywhere when I got back. So, you know, I took matters in my own hands. I'm now cutting my own hair, which I didn't do again after high school. But here we are. This is (laughs) this is happening. At some point, I'm going to have to cut my bangs and it will be tragic. So you can make fun of me when that happens. Okay, we will all be on equal footing right here. (laughs) You do live. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Oh, I'm sure everybody would tune in to see that. That would be just fantastic. Hey, um, you know, I'm sorry we are meeting under these circumstances. Like the beard, we are adaptable. Um, yeah. I, I think, obviously, you've never seen anything like this, but what was it like for you that last week of spring training? Uh, bizarre. Bizarre is the word. And, you know, as we were kind of going through the games, you just got a feeling where it was all headed when you talk to people back home, you know, uh, talking with Mary and the family and seeing where it was all headed. You know, it just, it was so bizarre. And I remember that last game just kind of sitting there thinking, is this going to be our last game for a while? Really not knowing what was going to happen. There's just so much uncertainty. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, spring training is canceled. And here we are. I mean, we're making plans to get back home and just, I don't know, it was so surreal and it, it still kind of is in a weird way. I mean, baseball has been so consistent through history, through time. It's marked the time and it's it's part of the past. It's part of our future. It's part of our present and something so consistent and especially in the summer months, something that we all rely on. And just to have that sudden stoppage, it was startling. And it's hard to get used to, that's for sure. One of the things that you have helped out with greatly is you put together the program of games that we're listening to now at night on 710 ESPN. And my gosh, even that first broadcast, to hear Dave Niehaus's voice, it was like all is right in the world once again. How did you go about picking these games, and, and, and what has it been like for you to all of a sudden be reliving them again? I know a lot of people are, and I, I think it's been a huge service to people out there that we've been able to give that to them. Yeah, that's been great. At least to have baseball on the radio as we go through this, I think, has been a really good thing. I'm going to be honest, it's been a ton of work. I mean, there's been, uh, especially with some of the older games that are basically cassette tapes and trying to figure that all out and get it to sound decent. It's been a lot of work, but well worth it. I'm right now going through the games we're going to play this weekend, the 95 playoff series. We're going to play uh, games one through five, which is great. You know, it's funny because we hear the highlights all the time. You hear the double, you hear things like that. But to relive the games inning by inning and the tension and Dave's call and everything it's amazing. And you just, you forget like that series, just what a great baseball series it was, you know, just push kind of everything else aside. Just, it was an amazing baseball series. And I've just been working I've had a bunch of problems with the game two cassette. So I've had to listen to it a number of times, but that game was incredible. You know, the one they lost in extra innings and, and just going through all these tapes, all these games and, 
Right now, I'm putting together the May schedule as well. There's still a bunch of games that I think fans will have a, a ton of interest in in May. Uh, I'm hoping that we don't get through the entire schedule that I've laid out for May. I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot to look forward to. What are some of the things that jumped out at you that maybe you had missed that you're kind of more appreciative of that now that you've had a chance to listen to again? Uh, you know, in it... it something I just alluded to, the striking thing is for people that have, you know, we've heard, we hear Dave's highlights all the time. And he was such a big part of my childhood. And he's the reason I do what I do. I mean, he's the one that, that sparked the passion to do this, the passion for play by play. And I think it can be forgotten how great he was as a play by play man. I mean, just the highlights are amazing, but just to hear him in just a common inning, you know, it doesn't have to be, nothing could happen. It could just be a regular run-of-the-mill one, two, three inning. But I get so much joy and so much pleasure just listening to just a simple inning like that, I think is amazing. And just to hear some of these games again and kind of get surprised in ways, I just, uh, we're playing both All-Star games coming up, and I just cut up the 2001 All-Star game. And just to hear that again, you know, the Ripken home run, just mm -hmm. how it was such an amazing day for the Mariners in Seattle in general, you know, with Mike Cameron and the eight, you know, eight Mariner All-Stars, and Freddie gets the win and Sasaki the save. And I'm cutting up the 79 All-Star game as well. I did not know that Vince Scully was on that call. So when we hear the 79 All-Star Game in the Kingdom, it was Vince Scully calling Whoa. it. So it's like every one of these I do, there's a big surprise. Oh, that's just wonderful. These are treats. I've been writing them up for the website, which means I've been like writing a pregame piece for it. Like it's, we're there. Like it's 10 years ago. It's 15 years ago. It's three years ago. And just coming up with things and researching and going back and some of my stuff and others just to see what was going on at the time it's it's absolutely crazy some of the things that you come up with and oh yeah that happened and that happened and that happened and it's i don't you just kind of become a little bit more appreciative of each season and everything that was going on in those seasons and it really is an opportunity to just kind of go back and, and remember and kind of relive a little bit which is unique and uh, i guess something in, in this time that we're in right now yeah and People have been so great, uh, just appreciative of having something, you know, something uh, of a bit of normalcy, I guess, is how I think about it. Just a little bit in these uh, troubled times. It, it's funny. I was just listening to the pregame show from game one of the 95 series, and it was amazing. Dave Grosby was the pregame show host, and which was great to hear. And he's talking to Dave Niehaus and, you know, I, I think about that game, and it's easy to forget that the one-game playoff played, and then they hopped on a plane, and a few hours later, they're in New York getting ready for game one. And so yeah. Dave Niehaus is talking about you know, his first experience. He's getting ready to call his first playoff game. He's called every pitch in Mariners history. And just the, all the emotions that went into that time was, was really fun to hear. I think I'm going to post that pregame, too, so people can hear that. Yeah, send it to the radio station. They should play that on the afternoon show, that kind of leading into it. That would be something I think everybody 
would uh, appreciate. And, you know, when you talk about just the circus that it was, the back and forth, then now that we're in this and we know the travel that's involved, right. can, you, can you imagine how exhausted? I mean, I have thought for years and years and years, now, there have been some years we just ran the 2015 game and that was a disappointing season and that a lot of people thought that was going to be the year that the Mariners broke through. There are seasons that we've gone into where I've like, I've got to do a little bit extra, like heading into the season and during the season to make sure that I'm ready for extra baseball at the end of the season. Because if you think about it, you add all of a sudden the pace gets accelerated a hundred times, uh, the travel gets accelerated, you're in you know uncharted territory going that long in a season. When the Mariners get there, it's it's going to be kind of it, it'll be you're gonna have to be ready for that physically too. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait for it. I hope it happens soon. I've I've enjoyed your pieces too, looking back at the perspective of what it was like that opening day. You know, seeing some of your your previews and some of the predictions for the seasons for the Mariners coming. It's been really interesting because you get through the course of the season and you kind of forget, you know, going into the season where uh, teams, the expectation level, I guess, for teams, especially a few years back. So that's been really fun to look at. Uh, It's been fun to go back and, and find it. It's not all off the top of the head. Some stories are, but most of it isn't. Hey, you're somebody that's always breaking down things and looking at the numbers and analytically, and uh, we've heard all the different scenarios of they could play this many games, they could play that many games. We don't know what it's going to look like. What's that going to mean historically with the numbers? That's an excellent question. Uh, So there's been shortened seasons in the past. You know, 95, which we were just talking about, was a shortened season. Uh, 81 was a shortened season. So... uh, it's happened before, you know, I think what's different about this season is just the sheer unknown. I mean, we really don't know at this point what we're looking at in terms of game total. I mean, I, I think, I think everyone's with me at this point that I think any game total would be amazing. I just want to see baseball at this point. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping for. And so I think it's just going to be a year that we look at, like big picture, like it's part of just this, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. You know what we're in right now. And when you think about this year and how many games we end up seeing, like it, it's going to be, it, it is what it is at that point. You know, there's just, it's going to be hard to measure in different years. There's going to be, especially if it's a short, if it's 80 some games or something like that. I mean, there's a chance we could see some really, weird percentage wise i mean you know in that amount of games you could have a guy approaching 400 that kind of thing but oh you'll you know, see 400 i think yeah i mean there's there's a chance in a short season like that 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 could that could definitely happen we could see some weird percentage wise obviously the counting numbers won't add up to anything like we'd see in a normal season but percentage wise that's where we could see some uh abnormalities but you know at the end of the day, I think we'd all just love to see baseball. Yes, I will take any ba- I've been watching the Korean baseball. Have you checked that out yet? Yes, I have. <laughs> any, anything, anything live at this point, I think I've looked at. Yes. For those of you who don't know, the Korean teams are uh, televising their intra-squad games and seen quite a bit of the Latte Giants, who feature Dae yeah. Lee. So there's a familiar face on that. He's looking kind of trim right now. 
looks great. I mean, <laughs> I just I was talking to Aaron Goldsmith last night. One of the games coming up, uh, I can't remember the date. Uh, I think it's next weekend. Uh, is the Mariners Padres comeback when the Mariners were down twelve oh, to two? Oh, good, good, yeah. yeah. Come back and win the game, and I always, I automatically think of Dejo Lee in that game because he he came off the bench in that game and just had a huge game, and so that's coming up in a few days. And uh, <laughs> I love thinking about Dejo Lee. I really enjoyed his time with the Mariners. <laughs> he said in this year since he left too in Korea, he's done really well. Yeah, no, he has, which is great. I mean, he was a good guy, and it was just. Um... <laughs> Interesting, interesting time in Mariners history. Why not try this out? But it's great that he's able to go home and, and continue uh, with the career that he's had there. I'm going to have an ice cream sa- sandwich in his honor tonight. Ooh, I like that. He was I a like big that. fan. Big fan of the ice cream sandwiches. You mentioned Aaron Goldsmith. I know that we've been checking in with others. How's Aaron doing? I think you talked with Rizzy as well. Yeah, so I talked to, it's funny, I talked to Dave Sims yesterday, and mm-hmm. he's kind of right in the middle of everything. He's in New York yeah. right now, and it's uh, he's in complete lockdown. So He's staying home. Um, he's staying home. He's doing good. His family's doing good. So that was good to hear, and they're just not venturing out, which is a smart thing to do. Uh, Aaron's doing great. His family's doing well. You know, they're chasing three kids around <laughs> every hour of every day inside the house, so. Uh, we just put up, uh, we did a podcast last night, just released it this morning. So, uh, he, uh, spent some time doing something other than chasing the children around, which, which was great, but he's, he's doing really well. Uh, Rick's doing good. So I think we've checked in with just about everyone over the last few days. So everyone seems to be doing good. I mean, we're hunkered down me and my family really ever since I got back from Arizona, we really haven't gone anywhere or done anything we're just trying to do our part stay out of the way and trying to knock down the curve and you know hopefully it, it does sooner than later but that's that's basically what we're doing we're uh we're hunkered down and become pseudo teachers with the kids and i'm really spent a lot of time just banging away at all these tapes and getting the games ready it's been a lot of work but a lot of fun so it's given me something to do yeah, it's funny. Everybody talks about, oh, you can take this up, take that up. And it seems like there's a lot of work that still has to be done, which all of a sudden you don't have that time. But is there anything that you've discovered in, in your extra time right now that perhaps maybe you wouldn't have? You know, what's funny is I, I, I'm really working constantly on these games. I just haven't had a lot of extra time. Uh, so between the, you know, trying to help the kids do all, all their things and uh, take some you know walks around the house, that kind of thing. But I just haven't had a lot of time. The, I have wrestled with some of these, especially this 95 series that I'm working on. It has spent, I've spent, I mean, every second of the last few days working on this thing between tape issues and missing innings and things like that, trying to piece it all together. So I'm glad I've had something to do, though. It's kept me busy, but I just I haven't had a lot of time for that extra whatever yet. I know I had this list of projects that, oh, I'll be able to do this, this, this and this. That has not happened yet. So maybe I'll get. (laughs) I hope those things are still on your list when baseball starts up. Not too long from now. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you are, are finding a way to stay busy with the baseball. You've gone into full historian mode, and we absolutely appreciate that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's been fun, and it's actually uh, I'm I'm looking at I mean my entire floor is all cassette tapes as I look down. And there's some cool ones coming up, and I've picked up uh, I found the back-to-back Griffey home run game, which I'm pretty excited about. I find the Brian Holman near perfect game mm-hmm. game. There's just there's so many cool games like that that I mean I don't know the last time I've heard some of these things. So I'm excited to put them out once we get to May and we'll see how how many we get into. Well, Gary, we're going to check in again before the next haircut. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I'll make sure to cut my hair before every one of these. You know, I want to I want to look good for your video series. You know what? I mean, you could really up your game and do like the Diaz uh, lightning bolts. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Uh-oh. I mean, what could go wrong? No one's seeing me anyway. What's the difference? What is Goldsmith doing right now? Oh, I've asked him about this. Uh, so I saw him on video yesterday, and his hair is almost out of frame. It's just, it's just kind of piling on top of itself. And he almost has to get low in the screen just so he can fit. The entire hair. I, I mean, if this goes on for a few more weeks, I don't know what he's going to do. Because it's not like me. I mean, I cut my hair. Well, what's the worst that can happen? He has actual hair. So it's a problem. I don't know what he's going to do. We have a hair emergency. <laughs> hair emergency is right. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to have to find a way. You said you did a video. So is this going to be shared or... <laughs> I saw my video. Unfortunately, it was uh, it was an audio. We released the podcast in audio form, so no one else can see it except my description of, of what it looked like. Well, you need to do another one, and then you've got good blackmail material there. <laughs> Gary, great to see you. We'll check in again sometime soon. Say hi to Mary and the family for me. Thanks, Shannon. Okay, looking forward to the Aaron Goldsmith hair update. And there's going to be a premium on those pictures. I actually checked in with Aaron a couple of days ago, and he said by the time this thing's over, he might be a foot taller. He's got quite, quite the quaff, as he calls it, going right now. Our next guest is Matt McGill. And this is a player that uh, I didn't know a ton about going into spring training. Of course, he was up last year. But uh, relievers, you don't always have the occasion to talk to them very much. And I thought in spring training, this was somebody I'd like to uh, get his story a little bit more of. And I did, but then I didn't have an opportunity to record it. He was pretty much pretty close to being next up when everything shut down. Um Of course, he was acquired last year, picked up uh, from the Twins, uh, and that was a waiver claim, if I remember correctly. It became apparent very quickly that Scott Service trusted him in bigger situations. He got the ball quite a bit at the end of games, has five saves at the end of the year last year, and really looked like somebody that was breaking through a little bit and had the opportunity or the possibility this year to be a mainstay in that bullpen. Uh, You probably or you might have heard some stories about him. There's a fun one about the naming of his child. His child's name is Maverick. And then Matt's nickname is Goose. You can see where that is going. But there's also a story of how he even made it to the big leagues. He was a 31st round draft pick. And you don't see a lot of them making it to the big leagues. But what was really kind of the thing that stood out for me in the story 
was how determined he was when people told him no and the things that he did when people told him no along the line. He's going to get into that as well as update uh, us where he's at, the workouts he's doing, how his family is, and everything else. Here's my conversation with Matt McGill. Okay, Matt, great to check in with you. I'm going to do a little bit of a get-to-know, which I did with a lot of guys. Didn't quite have time to get to you, and you were busy with some other things in spring training, but also want to catch up on what you're doing right now, and uh, there's a little story I want to get out of you as well. Maybe two little stories that I want to get out of you as well. But first of all, um, tell us where you're coming from. Tell us how the family's doing and and what you've been up to. Uh, Right now we are in Phoenix, Arizona still. Um, we just, we bought a house here this off season and we just thought this was the best place to stay with how crazy everything's gotten. And, um, it's still, it's, it's hitting us down here, um, pretty significantly too, but the weather is great right now. So at least we can get out and go on walks with a, uh, with a little one and a half year old and make uh, this, this quarantine time a little more challenging, but it's been, uh, this has been where we've been and, uh, everyone's right now been safe and, uh, healthy. So we've been very blessed that way. What was that last week of spring training like for you? Um, it was pretty surreal. Like we, I think as a player, um, it doesn't really, it doesn't set in until they, obviously we found out the NBA, um, a player was affected. And um, for us, you're kind of in your own little bubble when you're in spring training, you're getting ready for your season. You're with your teammates, you're getting to know each other again. You're, you're, you're catching up on how each other are doing and uh, you're, your um, baseball, uh, you're progressing your baseball uh, activities. And so we're getting ready for season. And finally, when they say, you know, everything's been shut down, it's kind of hard. It's a, it's a complete mental adjustment. Um, it's, it's just a, uh, we were revving up, revving up to get going. And uh, it's just, it's kind of hard to shut it down, but uh, we're just very, uh, we know that this is bigger than baseball and that we are, our thoughts and prayers are, are definitely with the people and families who've been affected by this tragedy. And uh, it's just, it's extreme bummer right now that we're going through as a, as a, as a world. So. What has it been like for you to take it inside, to stay inside? And, and really it's just your little family unit unit right now in one place. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Like we we're, we're taking it as a appreciation time that we get to be with each other more often um, we're blessed to be with each other in the off season a lot. And uh, now to have this kind of off season extended out, um, it's been nice. And we we're, we're doing the best to um, find activities for us to do. Like I said, we have a one and a half year old and he's very energetic and he likes to run around. So it's, that's been made it, that's made it a little tough for us, but um, we're taking turns with him and uh, it's just been, we're getting, for me, I'm learning things that I've never thought I was going to learn before, and uh, I'm trying new things. And um, so it's just been uh, we, it's the nature of what we've been dealing with right now. And I know that everyone's dealing with it in different ways. And uh, for us, it's been fun to just be with each other. And um, I get to be with my son longer now. So that's very grateful for that opportunity. And um, we're just taking it day by day right now. So he's on his feet and he's running around. Is he talking a little bit yet? We're learning words right now. That's one of the things that we're uh, we're learning, and uh, we're teaching words right now. We learned apple today, so that was a big word for us. Um, <laughs> it's uh, we're getting we're getting more words under our belt, but that's um, as we luckily have been able to be home with him more and two parents around him. He's been able to get uh, I think more out of it, and 
Um, so it's been nice to be able for we to see his progression when I wouldn't be able to be here um, during the season. It's been kind of it's a, it's a blessing. That's a great way to look at that. That'll stick with him his entire life. That'll have impact his entire life that you've had this time with him. Yeah, which definitely, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. On the baseball side, um, different guys are doing different things to, to stay where they need to be right now. We talked with uh, Jerry Depoto a week ago, and he said that the trainers have got programs for people who can't get out anywhere, and it might be something as basic as working with a weighted sock. Other people can get out. Uh, some guys have got gyms. I saw a picture of you carrying a sandbag up a, a hill somewhere. What, what are you doing to, to keep where you need to be right now physically? Um, we <laughs> Well, yes, with the gyms, everything being shut down, um, we have get we have to be a little more creative with what how we're staying ready and how we're staying focused and keeping our bodies ready. Um, the sandbag was just a thing. I originally had picked up a bunch of sandbags to work on a project in my backyard to fix uh, to fix some of the the gravel and the um, uh, I don't even know the cement was was pulling up a little bit so we were going to put some cement sand underneath it and I had some extra bags of sand so I said you know it would be fun to uh, hike with some sand and uh, we've been doing our best at staying away from people and that's one of the activities that we have found to do that's um, it's pretty outdoors and but it's also away from people and uh, um, we have actually stopped we stopped in the past week just because we want to prevent um, any contact with people but um, I've also started my own little home gym in my garage and my wife and I work out together down there and uh, you have bands and our training staff does a great job of giving us um, little little tools that we can do to help keep our range of motion going and our flexibility. And uh, so right now with not knowing when the season's going to start, we just got to keep going, keep our bodies moving and uh, it's all we can do. Is hiking something you normally like to do? Uh, no, not normally. I we've I've kind of acquired it this this uh, I would say spring. I got out here early in January uh, to Arizona, and um, I just kind of picked it up. And uh, we've been doing it more often. And I've probably done it about probably 20 times since I've been out here, and it's uh, it's, it's it's super relaxing, super enjoyable. And uh, for my family, we're super active people, so it's been a uh, it's been a nice little uh, get out of the house, kind of uh, burn some energy off for us. Uh, it's uh, obviously great to get outside. Sometimes too many people are getting outside. So I think I understand trying to get inside a little bit when that happens as well. Hey, I mentioned there were a couple of little stories that I wanted to get to. There's one that's been told quite a bit, but in case people don't know, your nickname is Goose. Goose. Yeah. Goose. Your yeah. child's name is Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of Top Gun involvement. There, there's a lot of Top Gun, Top Gun involvement. Uh, we, we originally did not pick the name because of Top Gun, but we wanted a strong M name. And I kept saying that I wanted a name that would look good on a scoreboard somewhere. So I thought a Maverick was a very strong name. It looked with it would, for me. It would look good on a scoreboard. And uh, honestly, the goose thing kind of came when I was with the Minnesota Twins. Um, one of the players brought it up, and uh, ever since then, it's just kind of worked. And uh, even even when I'm at home, friends and family call me Goose, and it's just uh, it's been a fun little thing that we get to have. And uh, I get to say that I'm his wingman for life, and um, we've kind of run with the Top Gun theme because of the because of the nature of it. But it's been uh, it's definitely been a fun little thing. Stay with your wingman, Goose, or ma'am. Stay with your yes, wingman. Definitely. Now, were you Goose because of Top Gun, or was that just a 
nickname that was thrown at you? No, it was, yeah, it was definitely a Top Gun things. And uh, I think the goose, it's, uh, <laughs> I joked that I picked, I picked Maverick just so I could have that name, but realistically, <laughs> uh, I was just, someone threw it out at me and um, I loved it and it stuck and um, people just kept calling me ever since. So it's been fun. Let's take it back a little bit with you. Where did you grow up playing baseball? I grew up in Simi Valley, California, a little north of L.A., and uh, went to high school out there. Um, didn't go to college. I was going to go to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, but decided mm -hmm. to get drafted, and I got drafted by the Dodgers in the 31st round. You turned down San Luis Obispo for four years, three or four years? <laughs> yes, that was, that was definitely the biggest what-if uh, decision I've ever made. What if well, I would have gone one way, but... Uh, for me, it's always been about baseball. I've, I've had one plan in my life since I was a, since I was a third grader. Um, my plan was to play professional baseball, and I never had a plan B. This was it. And uh, luckily, I've had a lot of support behind me, my family, my wife. And um, it's just this has been it. This has been my goal as a little child. And um, I just feel very fortunate that I've been able to be playing as long as I have been. Why was it baseball that you decided on? Uh I think, I think growing up, when I would watch players play, we'd go to Dodger Stadium. I'd watch those guys play, and Dodger Stadium's just a, such a huge stadium. I remember looking down and thinking that these guys are – it's incredible that these guys get to play a game for a living, and they get to have so much fun. And um, I think being an athlete, um, you get to show kids that kind of any dream that you want is possible. And um, – when I, I remember being a third grade in third grade and uh, my teacher had told me, you know, that's not a that's not a real a realistic dream to be a baseball player. And I think uh, using that fire that she kind of put underneath me as a third grader to prove her wrong and also loved the game that I just grew up playing. I think um, there's just nothing I've ever wanted to do. It's, it's, it's been the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And uh, I, I've I just love it. So. I heard a little something, I think, about your persistence. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but there was a Arizona Fall League story with you where you went along and kind of had your own program there, even though you weren't in the Fall League? Uh, it actually was Instructional League. Um, instructional. We were Instructional League. Uh, yeah, when I was drafted, 31st round, um, my dad and I moved out here to Arizona and we bought a house out here. We, we lived next to the uh, community or the, the complex where the Dodgers worked out at. And uh, I remember just thinking like, you know, this is not going to be easy for me. I'm going to have to do something and we're going to have to do, uh, do more than the average player. I wasn't, um, I wasn't very strong. I wasn't very big. I didn't throw very hard. And uh, I remember my dad telling me like, listen, son, you can do it. You can do this dream, but you have to be, you're going to have to be better than the, uh, the average player. And, um, my whole goal was to be better than the first rounder. Every year we had a first rounder, um, play with me on a team. And I remember thinking this is, I'm going to be better than him. And that was just a goal that I set for myself. And, um, my first year, uh, of not getting invited to instructional league or pitching camps, um, I would show up and the pitching coordinator at the time would give me, he would say, hey, you can go practice um, 
you can practice on the other fields. And so they would have to just slot me into instructional league without being invited. Um, it was something that I, uh, uh, I don't regret doing. It was a lot of hard work. I never had an off season. I worked, I went into the complex, um, every day when I was there in off season. And, uh, it's been, it's been a long journey. It's not been maybe the fairy tale journey that a lot of people see it as, um, there's been a lot of grind and a lot of grit and hard work that people don't see off the field. Um, but it's my story and I love it. So it's been a fun one. So you were just going to take whatever you could at that point. I was going to go out and get it. I knew that nothing was going to be handed to me. And, uh, I just want people to know that anything is possible. I was, I was a 31st rounder, 170 pounds out of high school, throwing 90 miles per hour. I wasn't anything special. And I just remember telling myself like, we can do this, but you just have to do better. And so anything I did, I just, uh, I tried my best and I did as much as I could. So what was it like when you made your debut? Oh, uh, it was, it was pretty surreal. It was incredible. Um, being able to debut in Dodger stadium as a kid, you grow up watching that. You go, you walk up the steps and you look down uh, at the field and you think this is huge. And um, it's just funny. Cause you get, you get emotional thinking about it. You, I go through so much to get there. And when I got there, they said, you know, when you, you get on the field, take a look around, take it all in, but remember it's still baseball. And I remember looking up going, goodness, this looks bigger in person on the field than I, than I ever imagined it would look. And mm-hmm. so I was just, um, I was just really appreciative for everything I'd done and all the people around me to help me get there. Um, it was uh, just a surreal moment. And for me to put the outing that I did, obviously was the, uh, the icing on the top, but uh, it was just, I couldn't have asked for a better day. That was incredible. What a beautiful place to debut in. And it was the place that you went as a kid too. I imagine that holds special memories for you. Yeah, definitely. Mark, it gets underappreciated sometimes. You always talk about Ben I remember the first time I went there, and it's so ironic, and I didn't even realize it until I was in there. Yeah, it's a it's a big stadium, and it's it's a uh, it's large. You, uh, <laughs> I remember sitting in the top top section of Dodger Stadium as a kid and looking down, and I think the players looked like ants at the time, and I just was so excited to be there. I didn't care about where we were sitting. Um, uh, I just remember sitting with my dad, thinking, "This is what I want to do, and this is where I want to be." And uh, so it's just. It's, it's an incredible place. What did it mean to you last year? You, you're traded over to the Mariners, and they gave you some good opportunities, and you made, I think, a lot of those opportunities. And the next thing you know, Scott Service is handing you the ball quite a bit at the end of games. Uh, for me, that was just another – I use the word appreciation a lot, but um, – it's kind of what it is. It's my whole life. I've just been very appreciative of what I've been given. And uh, I know that I've earned some opportunities, but being able to be appreciative of moments that you get are just, I feel like makes the moment that much sweeter. And uh, after I was DFA'd by the twins, I, I told myself that if I would ever get an opportunity again to play, to take full advantage of it, have, have no restrictions and just, just love playing where I am and just be in the moment. And um, I was blessed with the opportunity to be 
become a Mariner. And when I was given that opportunity to go out and pitch, I just remember thinking like, listen, be appreciative, but you've earned this moment to be out on this mound again. And uh, so I think I really thrived in that, in that mindset. And uh, as soon as Skip started giving me the ball in the ninth inning, um, I would say that my appreciation level grew, but also uh, my mindset of, you know, this is, this is your game to finish. And it was fun. I loved every minute of it. And it's, uh, it's just a fun role to be in. And there's nothing like closing out a game and feeling like um, you just shut that team down, especially when they were close to scoring. Um, it's just a, an incredible experience. The, the adrenaline and the emotions are just, um, it's just tough to beat. So you got that experience on the field last year. You got a good look at what's on the other side. What did you do to prepare for this year with the knowledge that you had from the pop, the previous year? Yeah, I just went into this offseason knowing that, you know, I want to be in that, that same role or in that late inning role for the for the Mariners again. And um, whenever they obviously, whenever Skip gives me the ball, that's when I'm ready to pitch. Um, I went into this offseason trying to be find out about how can I be a better Matt? And um, I think a lot of times we worry about what we don't do well. And for me, I went into this, this offseason thinking about what did I do well and how can I do what I did well more often? I think um, the best athletes in the world are, are the best, the most consistent athletes in the world. And uh, for me, it was how can I repeat my good throws more often? How can I throw my good curveball more often? How can I throw my fastball where I want to more often? Instead of worrying about what I don't do well, I think um, that was my biggest uh, goal going in this off season was making sure I had good video of what I'd done well and um, just, just focus on what I needed to do to repeat my delivery and repeat my throws in a good position. Were you working on a splitter? No, that wasn't me. Okay, that was somebody else. No splitter. Fastball and the curveball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Tell us about that fastball. It's got one of the better spin rates in on the team right now. How do you like to use that, and what have you learned about that? Uh, I, I like to throw it. Um, there's definitely <laughs> been some games that um, it's worked for me better than others, but, you know, it's the guy who throws hard, um, you love your fastball. And for me, this is one of the things I would tell younger kids is that, if you love what you throw, then it really doesn't matter what you have. Like everyone has different arsenal. Everyone has different pitches. And for me, like I love my fastball. I love my curveball. I love my slider. And uh, the more love you can have for your pitches, the more conviction and confidence you can have behind throwing them. And I think it takes time. People, you, you go through a lot of um, growing pains. You go through a lot of curves of how you're dealing with um, different emotions and also adversity on the field. Um, but as soon as you fall in love with your pitches, I think it makes it a little easier to, uh, be convicted with throwing them as much as you can. So for me, it's just, I love my fastball. I love throwing it. I wish I could throw it all the time because I love throwing it that much, but I know that's not, that's not strategically the best way to do to go about the game now, um, because hitters have gotten so good. So, um, but I'll throw it, I'll throw it when I need to. He loves his fastball. I love, I like that. Uh, when you looked around spring training, I think one of the big stories was that bullpen. I think a lot of people were kind of questioning, well, what have you got down there for relievers? I saw a heck of a lot down there. I think um, I've dealt with being an underdog my whole life. 
and uh, it's fun being an underdog. And I, I think our bullpen is an underdog. And uh, I think we have a lot of hungry, fierce guys down there that are ready to pitch whenever Skip gives them the ball. And um, super talented, different slots, different arm angles, different pitches. And I think we have the making to be a really good um, quality bullpen. And um, I'm just excited to watch it play out. And I wish that um, obviously the season's not starting right now, which is a huge bummer. Um, but when it does start eventually, I think you're gonna people are gonna people are gonna be surprised with how well and how talented our bullpen is. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch everybody down there. Uh, my last thing for everybody who's cooped up at home right now, have you got uh, any Netflix recommendations? Have you played a game online? Is there something you have cooked? Is there something you've taken up as a hobby you can recommend? Um, other than being a dad as much as I can be, um, we, my wife and I, we like the Chicago series, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire. Um, we watch those a night. We're not big TV people, but I've tried to learn to be a bigger reader. Um, I'm always into self-help videos on YouTube, podcasts, um, anything to help progress as a human. I think I put a tweet out that said progression uh, helps progress and uh, progress uh, makes people happy. And um, if, we're all, if we're happy, I think that'll get us through this time of um, kind of a black cloud right now that we're dealing with and this um, tragedy. So for me, it's just been trying to read and to watch videos and listen to self-help stuff. All good stuff. Matt, so good to catch up with you. I hope we see you in person real soon. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to catch up with Matt McGill and learn a little bit more about him. And of course, we are all looking forward to seeing him out on the field when this resumes. My next guest is uh, the Vice President for Social Responsibility for MLB, and I am talking to her because it came across my radar about a week and a half ago that Major League Baseball had a summer online program. It's free to everybody for kids in grades three through five, and the idea is it is something to keep them going educationally using baseball through the summer, and this just makes perfect sense to me. Baseball, there's so much to be learned from baseball. You, uh, There's a lot of math in baseball. There's obviously a lot of science in baseball. Uh, the history has been marked by the game as well in English. Well, shoot, tell stories, write stories. It's a big part of the game. So uh, I was thrilled to see that there is an actual program, and it is something that normally runs in the summer, but MLB has released it early to assist parents right now. For more on that, here's my conversation with Melanie Legrand. Well, I want to thank you, Melanie, for taking some time out with us today. This is Melanie Legrand joining us now. She is the Vice President of Social Responsibility for Major League Baseball. And Melanie, I saw something come through. I think I saw it on Twitter first. And it was something that I, I wasn't aware. It was a program that you had. It's something that I've been passionate about myself. It makes a ton of sense. And now could not be a better time for it, I, I think. I think a lot of people know what a silver slugger is. I'm not sure they know what a summer slugger is. <laughs> and I think it can probably help out parents of some certain age kids quite a bit. Tell us a little bit about the program. Absolutely. First, thanks for having me. This is really exciting. Um, so pleased that we're able to work from home and be able to talk to each other and do our own remote distancing and social distancing in a, in a smart way. Um, so Summer Slugger, Summer Slugger is our baseball-themed 
digital education course. And really, it was set up in 2017 to support parents, educators, teachers who have kids in grades three through five, so third through fifth graders. And the summer program was because we wanted kids to be able to retain their science skills, their math skills, their English skills in a time when they're not typically in school. So I'm not sure if you know, but a lot of times when kids are out of school, they come back at the end or in the fall and they've lost two and a half months of learning. And so a lot of kids, especially in you know certain situations, don't have access to tutors and to you know parents who are at home to say, hey, two hours of reading today. And so what we've done is really infuse the game of baseball into a, a game. Kids will think it's a game, but it's really, you know, surreptitiously a way to get them to retain those smart skills so they can start the school year in the right direction. How did it come about and how was it developed? So we started it in 2017 with EverFi. EverFi is a social impact and leading digital education tech company. And we wanted to work with them. And I think they came to us and said, hey, we have some amazing programs here. And we said, well, we're looking to reach kids. We're looking to help kids with their STEM, their science, technology, engineering, and math skills. And so we came together and came up with this, this great program. Baseball is played mostly in the summer. It made sense for us to do a program that was supporting kids during the summertime um, because that's that's when we're, you know, our season is going on. So it was important for us to think about how to engage fans, how to support educational outcomes, but in the end, just, just really make sure students have what they need to be successful. And baseball is incorporated through everything. Absolutely. I've played the game. I can see the game. I've seen youth play the game. You know, you may have nine players who are sitting on the bench and they say, okay, well, this is third grade math. If the pitcher and the catcher go out to warm up, how many kids, how many players are left? And, and so there's, it's very adaptive. You know, it adapts to the grade of the student. It adapts to the skill set of the student and it helps them and is reactive to how they do. So it gives them harder questions, the more that they get right. And sometimes comes back to them with similar questions if they need some help in determining how to move forward on those existing questions. So it's a it's a great program. I've seen it. And it's for like the entire length of a summer. So that's a lot of courses right there, I would imagine. Yeah, it's 36. You know, it's it's got so many courses that are set up for not just English, math, reading, um, you know, science, just really critical thinking to help the brain stay stimulated in a time when we're usually going outside to play catch or, you know, play double dutch or something on the street. Like, no, let's let's stay engaged and make mm -hmm. sure that we're thinking about ways that are gonna help us in the school year coming forth. I imagine science is involved too. Can I learn about a spin rate? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might be able to. I haven't, I haven't done all this series, but I, I imagine there's some, some tricky things in there that, uh, you know, baseball, a lot of people don't realize how much science is in baseball. You know, how they just see the pitcher go up, throw a pitch, hit the ball. You know, if you're not a, a crazy fan that's really into stats, you don't realize it. But the pitcher has to think, okay, what's the velocity going to be? If I throw this pitch, if I throw this pitch, how, okay, he's a left-hander versus a right-hander. How is he going to react to it? These, these things are physics. These things are biology, chemistry. There's so much science in baseball. And being able to take it to a level for a third to a fifth grader they don't even know what they're learning, but they are learning, and that's exciting. Melanie, I'm going to throw something at you that I would love to see someday, okay? Put you on the spot here. 
out here in Seattle, of course, everything is very aviation-based with, with Boeing and everything that we have out here. And there's actually, um, oh, I can't remember, an aviation high school, I believe. And it's right across the street from the Museum of Flight. And the whole curriculum is based on aviation. And you can cover the science, obviously, but also history and English and math and everything like that. I, I, I see no reason why you couldn't do that with baseball. No, I totally agree. I'm, a, I'm fine with you putting me on the spot. You know, we have partners that do a science of baseball curriculum. We have a number of our clubs that have youth academies or run their own reviving baseball and inner cities programs. They use this curriculum every day. You know, it's, it's so much more than a game. Our sport just gives you the opportunity to do much, to do so much more, to be a major league citizen, you know, to be thinking about Jackie Robinson, when you're thinking about your character education, to think about Roberto Clemente, who, you know, he passed away on a mission flight, on a humanitarian flight. There's so many heroes that you can learn from, and there's so many things and aspects of the sport that allow you to be academically, you know, to, to get all the academics you need out of it. So I, I don't disagree with you. I, maybe we'll see it one day. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. This is for the younger ones, and it's more targeted. And I also understand it's all team-specific, so if you are a Mariners fan, you're going to see Mariners-based problems and players and whatnot. If you're a Red Sox fan, you'll see Red Sox. Yeah, a bit of that. So we have team-based, and then if you don't have a favorite team, you can just click on the code MLB if you go to summerslugger.com slash MLB. That's the code you would use if you don't have a favorite player or a favorite team. But the, the fact is clubs are able to infuse their own pieces to it. So you may have a particular team that puts a 30-second video in there with their favorite player, you know, and it, he may say, hey, the next series, the next game that you're going to play is X, Y, and Z, and I hope that you do successful or I hope that you're successful in it. So there's a way that clubs can infuse their own brand into it so that you feel even closer to the game. And parents can just log on to MLB.com or summerslugger.com and get all the information. And most importantly, it's free. It's available to everybody. It's free. It's available to everyone. It's summerslugger.com. If you go to summerslugger.com slash MLB, you can go directly to a team page. If you're an Orioles fan, if you're a Mariners fan, go on, click on. You put in the code Mariners, takes you to the next step. And it's, it's wonderful. It's a great program that I hope everyone takes advantage of. Well, we're going to put it out there. Melanie, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much and have a great day. Stay sane and stay healthy. You too. I want to see a baseball school someday. What can I say? I mean, it, it just, I, I can picture the whole thing in my mind. It makes complete sense. You could base an entire curriculum off of baseball. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, our last guest, and you may or may not have seen this online, but I want to give you a little bit of the, the whys I went in this direction, is Mitch Haniger. Mitch was my first choice for a guest in this new format. And, of course, the new format is working from home as everybody else is and doing the Skype interviews. And I wanted to talk to Mitch. First of all, he is always very thoughtful. Uh, he has interesting things to say. Um, and also because... It struck me that he was somebody that perhaps has a little bit, in a really kind of odd way, experience in what we're going through right now with no baseball. Baseball's been taken away by injury from Mitch a few times. He's had to deal with that. So I wanted to get a little bit more into how he's dealt with that in the past. The other thing is, is that I learned in spring training that uh, he's used meditation to help him through some of the tough times. And it turns out that this goes way back with him. He's done this for a long time. But 
he is such a process-oriented person. I thought it would be interesting to hear his processes in dealing with this and hear a little bit more about the meditation. And he actually gives some good tips and some good um, resources if that is something that you're interested in. And, you know, in these times where we all have a little bit more stress, it's not a bad idea to take a few minutes and just breathe and be still and be quiet every day. So, um I thought that he would be a good person to talk to about that. We've got that and also a conversation on robo-ups. In December, I want to say it was, I put out a tweet. Something came out about the electronic strike zone and how we were getting closer to it. And uh, for the record, I'm completely against it. I, I do not like what it is going to do in my mind to the position of catcher. And if you are altering an entire position in the game, that's the utmost extreme in my opinion. I don't like it. And so I put out a tweet that I didn't like it, and I think I said uh, it will destroy the position of catcher. And he agreed with that. He or he at least hit the like on the Twitter, and I saw he was in my Twitter likes, and that kind of raised an eyebrow. You don't see that very often because that's something that if MLB wants to go in that direction, you don't see a lot of people talking out about or speaking out about those things. But here's the thing, and what we didn't cover in the conversation that I would have liked to and I'll go ahead and throw that in now, is uh, Mitch talked about the umpires on a whole doing a good job. And I think that when we think of the electronic strike zone, you know, the C.B. Buckners, the Angel Hernandezes automatically come to mind. But the fact of the matter is most umpires aren't those guys. Most umpires now are a lot younger, and they approach the game and their craft a little bit differently. I've had the opportunity to talk with a number of them on different occasions, and it really struck me that um, they take a lot of pride in their scores, their game scores. They go back over their work. They prepare for their games both physically and mentally. Uh, They're not kind of resting on, well, I've done this for 20 years or anything like that. They want to get it right out there. And one of the things that I don't think people realize is that when you're talking about, well, you want to get, you know, you know, big pitches can be missed. And I think a lot of people, when they watch an umpire who's off his game, they're thinking 20, 30 pitches a game. It's not. The average game, an umpire misses closer to three, four, or five. And I was not able to get these numbers verified, but the average is just under four, is what I was told. But for the younger, some of the newer umpires, the really good ones, they can miss less than two a game. They're like a a pitch and a half a game. Again, I don't have that verified, but I have no reason not to believe um, the umpires that told me that. So do you change everything based on a couple of pitches? Because the umpires are getting younger. They are getting more help as far as uh, being able to evaluate and look at things. Um, I I don't, you know, to me, I don't like that. I, I would just assume keep the catcher what it is right now. And uh, not just uh, let it turn into an offensive position. Because if you think about it, if they don't have the pitch frame anymore, and we've been over this a little bit on, on MyNorthwest.com, but pitch framing, for the most part, is nothing more than getting strikes called strikes. It, it's more, I, I think you see it more if you look for catchers who aren't getting their strikes called strikes, i.e., Bad catchers, catchers who pull the ball and kind of swipe at the ball and pull it out of the strike zone. They're terrible pitch framers, 
they're not getting pitches for their pitchers. They're actually losing pitches for their pitchers. The good ones will, will get the pitches and maybe pick up one or two here or there. So uh, if you're not having to frame a pitch, you are probably not having to get into that position. And in that case, you're going to have more of an advantage throwing out a runner. And you don't need a lot of the things that catchers have been brought up to do and have been trained their entire lives to do. And Mitch gets into that a little bit. I don't want to see that. I've also heard that once you do that and once you start putting the offensive player behind the plate, the next thing you would probably see is catchers with earpieces and pitches called from the dugout, which is the last thing. At that point, the catcher is no longer a position. It's a guy who's standing behind the plate. And uh, it's it's a hitter. It's I, I joked about it in a post, but yeah, put Daniel Vogel back back there at that point. I don't like it. We get into that conversation. That's part of the talk with Mitch. Here you go. I want to say it's good to see you. It'd be better to see you right now in Seattle in a Mariners uniform. We're going to have to wait a little bit for that. There are a lot of things I want to get to you on about today. And just most importantly, you have such a unique outlet or outlook on dealing with adversity. And it's something that you've been through. And I think we're all going through a little bit of something missing baseball right now. And I think that that is something that you can, in particular, help us out with. But before we get to that, I just want to get caught up where you're at right now, how everybody is doing, and uh, what you have been up to in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Shane. Good to see you, too. Um, I'm healthy as far as... uh, COVID-19 goes, as far as I know, um, no symptoms. We, my wife and I feel great. We're just trying to, you know, do the, do the quarantine and, and help slow the curve. And I think it's really important that, um, everybody just does their part. And, um, you know, I think there's people at risk who will benefit from you staying home and, and you may not be at risk, um, but you can do your part in, in not spreading it. So I think that's really important first off. And, um, you know, we're doing good. My recovery is going well. I'm just doing a lot of core exercises right now, trying to get back um, some core strength and mobility uh, throughout my body and um, staying in contact with with the, the guys on the Mariners training staff and just working with them to try to keep this thing rolling in the right direction um, so I don't get behind in my rehab um, through this tough time where, you know, I can't go to the complex every day. Are you in Arizona right now or are you in California? I'm in California. Okay. Uh, do you have to do all of that on your own or are you able to work with somebody on that rehab stuff? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to work with anyone right now uh, because of the quarantine, quarantine effect and, um, you know, rehab facilities being shut down uh, at least for, you know, temporarily, temporarily right now. Hopefully um, in the next couple of weeks, you know, everything gets rolling and, and I can go and start seeing someone. Uh, but right now in this recovery, there's, I can pretty much do almost everything on my own. Um, now, granted, it would be nice to work with someone to have someone taking me through each exercise, but, you know, uh, Bissell does a great job and Kyle does a great job trying to help me uh, navigate that on my own right now. Yeah, I hear they're checking in with everybody, the medical staff, every day to make sure everybody's okay, whether they have an injury they're working through or not. Right, yeah. Can you kind of walk us back to that last week in Peoria? I'd really like to hear what that was like from a player's perspective. I think it was that Tuesday night when it really kind of caught our attention with the NBA, and then things got moving really quickly. Yeah, I mean, that was a whirlwind. Um, It seems like it was months ago, even though it was only a couple weeks ago, and I thought, 
you know, I showed up, I think it was on a Wednesday or a Thursday and, you know, it was kind of, everything was coming to a head and getting crazy. And, uh, just every couple hours, it seemed like our plans drastically changed. You know, it was like, you know, everything's going to be okay. We're safe here. And then it was like, you know, take care of yourself and your families, you know, do everything you possibly can. So it was just, it was just kind of a unexpected and it's kind of scary to see how fast something can spread like this. So, um, like I said earlier, I think it's really important that people take it seriously and, and, uh, just do their part. Was there a realization for you? I mean, what kind of struck you that, you know, I'm probably going to be okay, but I got to look out for others here. Um, just going off of what health experts say and trying to, trying to be smart and, you know, I like everyone's saying, just wash your hands a lot. Try not to touch your nose and face. Uh, try not to touch your mouth. Um, just doing the, the little stuff that I think will make a big difference. And as well as, you know, trying to eat really healthy and, and take certain supplements that will help your immunity. And um, like I said earlier, you, you may not be directly affected by this virus or you may contract it and not even show symptoms, but you're putting people at risk if you're going into large gatherings. So I think it's smart right now to try to avoid that. And, you know, hopefully this thing passes sooner than later. You mentioned eat correctly. I know that's something that you do all of the time, but more than ever, uh, what are the kind of some of the things that you're trying to do right now and think others probably should too? Um, I guess nothing too different than the norm. Um, I try to eat just a lot of fruits and vegetables and um, good quality source, you know, try to eat organic, try to eat grass fed meat, um, free range chicken, free range eggs, stuff like that. And, you know, upping, I've been up in my vitamin C, um, daily supplement to twice a day instead of just once a day. And, um, I think another supplement that people can look for that will really help with immunity is uh, zinc. And then at night magnesium, uh, most people from what I've heard and understood are, can be deficient in magnesium. And I've noticed that a help in my sleep quality by taking magnesium. Well, but always with the doctor before you decide to take any supplements. <laughs> the doctor before the, doctor. the slugger. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you've been so invested in your nutrition for so long. It'd be inter- it was interesting to hear what you were doing there. And I second the magnesium, um, something calm. I forgot what it was that I was taking. Uh, that was something that definitely helps it at night. Um, another thing that helps at night, I found last night, was on our flagship station. Of course, we have no baseball games right now, no live baseball games, but we are running uh, the classics. And it was nice to be able to turn on the radio last night or turn on the television and see some baseball, but everybody is missing it. They're really feeling it right now. And you know a little something about that. I know it's a different situation and that we're talking about a world situation and a lot more going on. But man, I know you miss baseball when you are hurt. What are some of the things that you do to deal with that? Um, I just, I mean, I like watching highlights and obviously, like you said, you know, watching uh, past games and, and cool things like that. I think that definitely helps fill the big, um, big, big spot in our hearts where we're all missing baseball and, you know, we're all excited to hopefully get back out there as soon as possible once everything calms down and once it's safe to resume. Um, but for me personally, I just kind of go back to, um, yeah, time being hurt was really difficult not to be on the field, not being able to do my typical normal routine, but also it's just being able to adapt and adjust to what I'm able to do and control what I can control. And that's basically the whole philosophy behind, um, 
everything I believe in is kind of not worrying about things that are out of your control, although it can be hard at times. Um, but building that mental resiliency to uh, be able to focus on things you can control, not worry about external events that you can't control, and just try to get through it and, and try to look at the positive side of things. How have you applied that to what we're going through right now? Um, so, for instance, what we're going through right now it can be very difficult for people because you can't resume in your, your normal routine or your normal your normal life. You can't see a ton of family and friends like you like I would want to. So for me, just trying to stay in contact with my friends more than I typically do when my schedule is really busy, when I'm at the field for, you know, six to eight hours a day. Now I can call friends more often, take advantage of it in that way, talk to my parents more often, call my grandma, um, spend a lot of time with my wife. And, you know, those are some positives that you can look at and you can try to get out of this situation. And also for me, trying to focus on, I'm, I love self-improvement type stuff because I feel like I'm always trying to improve to help my performance on the field and to help my life off the field. Um, managing stress, doing stuff like that, making, making sure I'm sleeping and eating right. And um, you got all the more time in the world to, to focus on those things right now. So, you know, there's, there's some definite negatives and I feel for a lot of people um, for what they might be going through as far as the illness goes or just not being able to work or, or being, you know, and unfortunately in some scenarios being laid off and that's gotta be really difficult. And, um, you know, we're here to hopefully support you, but at the same time, uh, there, you, there's, there can be something that's taken out of even a bad situation. You know, if, um, that's where I think like a gratefulness practice can come, come into really helpful scenario where, you know, if, if you're watching this interview between me and you right now and you're a fan, um, you most likely have an internet and a TV or a tablet or in a smartphone and, and you have probably food, water and shelter. And those are things that not everyone on this earth are um, blessed to have. So you, you should be thankful for those things and, and remind yourself of that. And I think that can really help your mindset. You talked a little bit when you got to camp this year that, in the off season, you got into meditation and that was something that helped you. How, how did you get into that and how did that progress with you? Um, this, this I started getting into meditation in college, um, but it's kind of grown more and more each year since then. Uh, there's been years where kind of looking back my best years statistically and just off the field with, with life in general, my happiest moments are been when I was consistently meditating and taking that time um, for stillness is what they call and just trying to get into a relaxed state to where you know your worries or your stresses can calm down or go away and I think it's really important it's really helped me and um, I hope people give it a shot and uh, I think there's some really you know with with all the social media nowadays you, you can follow some really smart people and some really cool people that offer advice in that in that area um, and there's some amazing apps out there like Headspace or uh, the one I currently use now is um, Waking Up um, by Sam Harris and and also Vis Vision Pursue. Uh, that was an app that our old um, mental strength coach, uh, Darren McMain, got me on. It's kind of pointed uh, directly for athletes. So uh, it's got great meditations on there. And, and I think people can right like i said earlier you know you don't have a lot of people say well i don't have enough time in my day to meditate and although now you might have a little bit more um if you have a family and kids it can be really difficult you're at home all day with your kids and you, you it's hard to carve out you know five minutes but i think if you wake up five minutes earlier or you 
stay up five minutes later at night, you'd be surprised how easy it is to squeeze in a, a practice. And um, I think there's some really good, there's a really good book that's helped me kind of focus on developing better habits is called atomic habits by James clear. And he talks about how you can have it stack. For instance, if you're, if you're brewing a cup of coffee while you're waiting for it to brew, you can sit down and do a meditation in that two minutes and it doesn't add any more stress to your day. If anything, it's going to help your day. And, um, I think that's really, was a really good book. And I, I think a lot of people would, um, gain a lot from reading it. How does it fit into your regimen? Uh, typically in the mornings, like I said, uh, I'll, um, usually when I, when I, I love coffee, so in the morning I usually will drink tea first and, um, I usually go stretch while the tea's steeping and, and, and boiling. And then typically when I'm making coffee about an hour later is when I'll go do some, do some breathing and do some meditation real quick. And then I always do it right before I go to sleep. I find that it helps me get relaxed and, um, is really helpful with that. Those are great tips. Uh, I'm going to try a couple of them. I hope everybody else does too, because there's certainly, um, you know, a lot that we have to let go of at the end of the day without question. Really appreciate the tips um, mm -hmm. on that front. What about on, on the baseball side? Um, let's, let's go ahead and take it back to spring training. I know that you were dealing with what you were dealing with, um, but how different was that clubhouse for you this this year? Um, yeah, there's some new faces very young this year. Um, for me personally, I felt like I wasn't able to, it was harder for me to connect with a lot of the guys because I was spending much more time in the training room and not on the field with guys. And it kind of now looking forward, it's, I'm going to appreciate being on the field so much more than I ever have before having that, you know, taken away from you. And the same thing with the virus going on now when we're able to go out to dinner with friends. Um, I think you're going to appreciate that so much more than after going through something like this. So that's another positive way to look at it. And, um, you know, typically through spring training day, you have you go take BP, you're shagging. You know, that's that's an hour at least right there. Typically, there's a guy next to you that you're talking with and getting to know better. You're in the cage hitting, doing your early work in the morning. You're doing a lift. You're going through stretch lines. You're. There's, there's multiple hours where you're connecting with your teammates that I didn't have a chance to do because I was um, rehabbing. But at the same time, um, I developed some better relationships with guys who were, who were going through the rehab process with me as well. Uh, that goes back to last year. I felt like I got a lot closer with Chase and Bradford, and we were able to kind of lean on each other throughout um, the late summer and offseason and stay in contact with each other. And it's always good having someone go through something similar to you to um, kind of pick each other's brain and and share each other's thoughts and, and feelings. And uh, he's been a huge help for me. It's good to see Jason get out on the field the last couple of days. I remember seeing him play catch, and that was, yeah. that was great to see. It's been a tough road for him. Definitely, yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you in spring training, and uh, you were hard to find because you were in the trainer's room, and I can't go in there. Yeah. Um, in the offseason, I, I put out a tweet that um, I, I don't like the idea of robo-umps. And one of the reasons I don't like it is what it's going to do to catchers. And I, I think that's just one of the most interesting positions on the field. And if I remember correctly, I think you liked that tweet. What are your feelings on the automatic umpires or the electronic umpires and strike zone? Um, I, I think right now I stand by liking that tweet. And I, I think um, <laughs> our umpires do a good job. I think they're human. I think it's part of the game. I, um, 
I know a lot of them work really hard at, you know, trying to improve and looking at their, their charts after games, whether, you know, they miss certain calls. And, and I think that's really important just because as a player, we focus so much on our performance and trying to improve. Um, it's really good to see that they're doing the same. And I, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't know if I trust the technology quite yet. And that's just my personal stance, my personal opinion. And I think it's going to drastically affect um, the catching position as far as you're not going to – typically, you want your catcher to be really good defensively. You want him to be really good pitch frame or really good you know, guy who could blocks balls in dirt and throws guys out. And I think it might kind of turn into let's just throw a guy back there who hits well and it takes away that position from a lot of the really good defensive catchers. And I think if you look around the league – um, catchers play there's a lot of veteran catchers that play for a long time because it's really hard to find a really good defensive catcher that can command a bullpen and command a starting pitcher and that can connect with his pitchers and, and knows which button to press with which guy and that's something that's really impressed me with Tom Murphy I feel like he does a great job with that and he takes a lot of pride in his defense and I don't want to see that getting taken away from from a guy like him and Although Tom is a great hitter, and I'm, I think he's just starting to show what he's capable of. I think it's only going to get better and better. How do you think Tom's doing in the woods right now? I was <laughs> getting after it. I know that. I've seen some of his videos. Uh, that guy's a tremendous worker, great teammate. So, um, yeah, trying to stay in contact with him and learn from him. He's been He's a really bright guy. Yeah, I've seen some of his tweets and Instagram posts, and it's funny because you learn more about people when you're separated. There's sometimes stuff that comes out in, in text that doesn't come out when they're right next to you. Right, yeah, that's something that I'm trying to do a better job. I think Tom probably thought the same as me. Like, I'm going to start sharing some more stuff to hopefully help someone. Um, I try to stay off of social media and my computer as much as possible just to be more in the moment and stop scrolling through unneeded stuff that, you know, you look down and you wasted 30, 40 minutes just on your phone. So try not to be on there and as much as possible, but I think it can be very useful if used right. And that's just, uh, having balance and awareness with, you know, with where you're at each day. The key is to be intentional with your social media. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you brought up one thing in the umpires, and I'm glad you said that because I don't think that people really understand this, but I had the opportunity to talk with a few this offseason, and it really struck me that as the umpires get younger, they almost they approach games like you guys do. I mean, the preparation that they put in and the review and going over their numbers, it, it really blew me away. And the guys that I talked to really took pride in their evaluations and their numbers and when what they did as well. And it was really an eye opener for me. It almost seemed like they were kind of like almost peers. I know they're a little bit older than you, but they're really attacking it the way that the younger side of baseball is right now. Yeah. I think it goes along with the younger type of player who's like looking more, uh, trying to learn some things from analytics, trying to learn some things from certain wearable data that you can gain from, uh, whether it's a swing mechanics thing or, um, you know, an aura ring or a whoop band for recovery and training, stuff like that. It's really good to see. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, the a veteran player um, may never had those things available to him when he was younger. So not to say that they're set in their ways and that's not a good thing. If you're a veteran guy who's played for a while, you know what you need to do to play and, and improve and 
keep doing what you're doing. But I think for the younger generation, um, being able to utilize those tools and, but I think the key is not getting overwhelmed by it. And, um, but it's really good to see that, yeah, that the younger generation umpires, I'm sure they're all into it and it's, it's great. I think it's really going to help. And, um, I like seeing someone take pride in their job and doing everything they can to improve. And that fires me up. All right, let's get back to you in present day right now. How are you um, using your time right now? Um, a lot of stretching, a lot of core exercises, a lot of walking. Um, you know, we I've been to the grocery store one time. I stocked up on a whole bunch of stuff, not hoping to have to go back for at least another week, maybe, you know, five to seven days. Um, my wife and I would just walk our dog a ton keep keep our distance when we see people and you know give them a friendly hello and uh keep going and like i said reading meditation uh staying in contact with friends uh just trying to take this time to learn more i think about myself learn more about certain topics that are going on around the world certain um like i said before self-improvement stuff whether it's sleep uh recovery whatever it may be just trying to gain some knowledge in that and take take advantage of this time well, Mitch, I really, really appreciate you taking time with us today. Uh, I, I hope that we don't have to stop by and visit like this again. I hope that we see each other in person and in not too long. But if we don't, I would love to check in again and see how you guys are doing and just get some encouragement there. Those are great words that you have and great advice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it helps somebody. And I know a lot of these things that we talked about has really helped me. So I know, I know that it will definitely help other people. All right, so that's it for this week. Really enjoyed catching up with everybody, and we're going to continue to do this. Got a lot of different ideas of some fun things that we can do with the videos and catching up with guys. We'll also look to talk to people throughout the game, not just on the Mariners' side, but we'll you know catch up on some uh, broadcasters and some uh, reporters for other teams and see where they're at right now and heading into things when everything gets started again. Probably dip into the Mariners' front office a little bit, maybe learn a few things about uh, you know, so many of the changes that we've seen in the game and how Mariners approach things right now. And, of course, catch up with a couple of the other broadcasters as well. So hope you enjoy this. We're going to keep it up. We're going to keep the conversation going. Baseball, we can talk about it all day. That is not a problem. We prefer to see it on the field. We will get there someday soon. But right now, we got a lot to talk about. Hope you all have a good weekend. Stay home. Stay safe. Take care.